This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 443, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. The 
Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 443. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me as always is Josh Flanagan. Hey! And... Ah, hold on. There we go. What was that? That's beer. That's... There we go. Are you drinking a beer for the show? I am. Fuck this week. Wow. All right, Josh has got a beer, and joining us, we've got a caller on the line from Philadelphia. You're on the air, caller. I am wondering if you'd like to take part in a brief survey. <laughs> That's Paul... Paul Montgomery, who mere moments before we were set to record, lost all power due to a major storm that's hitting the east coast of the United States. So Paul is dialed in from his phone. We apologize for the audio quality. It's the best we can do on this short notice on this holiday weekend. So thanks for dialing in, Paul. Happy to be here. Do you have a beer? I don't, but I wish I had one. You should probably should. <laughs> I don't have a beer. Paul, is Paul, was, Paul was a good soldier. He's like... All right, is there anybody else you can call in the last minute? And we're like, no, man, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. I'm in my office at work. Josh has got a beer. We're not delaying this. This shit's, shit's just off the rails. I don't know. We are a fanboy. We like comics. We read comics. Every week, we read, every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book they read. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book on the podcast along with other books of the week, other topics of interest, other goofy stuff. We'll make some jokes about Paul being on the phone. It'll be a fun time for everybody. Before we get to the show, quick, quick reminder of <laughs> warning. Was I, was I supposed to prepare phone material? This is a review show. We'll be talking about things that happen in the books, the spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, come back, pause the show, stop it, turn your phone off, turn your computer, shut it down, burn the hard drive, and then come back once you read your books. In the meantime, Josh A. Flanagan had the pick of the week. <laughs> don't get, now everybody can get it in my bank accounts. Yes, the pick of the week this week was Moon Knight, number five. Is it your was... password just the letter A? Yeah, yeah. I just figured like that's the security question. Like, what's your middle initial? <laughs> like, A? And they're just like, here you go. Here's the golden key. Oh, jeez. So, I read a lot of comic books in a short amount of time this week. There's a lot of comics uh, this week. It was, it was mainline. It was, like, it was like I was carbo-loading before a marathon, I assume. Which is kind of what you did do. Yeah. Um... And at the end of it, I went. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the pick is. And then, and then I sort of started looking again. I, I flipped through everything. I was like, "Oh, it's Moon Knight." Like Moon Knight was. There was a lot of really good books, but Moon Knight was the only one that when I got through with that, I said, "I'm pretty sure Declan Shalvey needs to win an Eisner for this." That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. In this series, this run, like when they go do the best artist or whatever, and that's probably that's not gonna be for this year. It'll be for next year, but. Uh, that's kind of what I thought. I thought, well, well, there you go. That's pretty much it. I didn't think that about anything else. Well, um, it's funny because when you did when you did announce the pick, I hadn't yet finished all my books. So yeah, I did throw a quizzical eyebrow, although I wasn't completely surprised because especially you and Paul, especially, have been really raving about the series. So I was not totally shocked. Especially, but but there was a it was a pretty heavy hitter week, so I was a little yeah. tiny bit surprised. But then I actually read the issue after having seen your your pick, and I thought, okay, that makes complete sense. I would have. It would have definitely been in contention for me at least. This was definitely the best issue I thought of the series. And well, I thought, I thought, you know, I really liked last last month's, and I thought, well, oh, geez, and then it was I really like last month's. Is this just a fill in for that? I thought, no, no, and I went through it again. This is better than last month's, which I really like. No, this and is I don't the even best like, issue by yeah. far. And yeah. there's a reason why earlier in the day today, Josh, I am you and asked if you, how far into Fargo you were because this reminded me a lot of. An episode of Fargo, and I don't, Paul, I don't know if you've seen that show or not. Oh yes, uh, yeah, episode eight. Six, I'm gonna say no, eight's Six? the final episode. I oh, think. I no, there's ten. ten. I think episode eight's the one with the uh, yeah, extended building attack, and that really yeah. reminded me of this one, in which this the the story for this episode issue is that 
Moon, there's a, a girl's been kidnapped. Moon Knight shows up in front of this building in a stretched limousine and, it, and proceeds to make his way through the uh, floors of the building, almost like a video game, to get to the top floor where the girl's being held and just takes out guys along the way. And this was very vintage Warren Ellis, too. I mean, it's a great showcase for Declan Shelby, which you mentioned, but this is also sort of vintage, decompressed, badass Warren Ellis storytelling. I, also. I, I really have... I liked already, but I have really grown very accustomed to the format of this book in that there's not a big thing. And it's interesting because you hear a lot of... You hear people talk a lot of times about how people's attention spans are waning. I know mine is. But comics is almost the opposite of that. Comics is this constant, like, swirling, connected miasma of hyper-attention details all the time. And and I like the simplicity of these the same way that I liked, uh, you know, it reminds me of, um, oh, God, Snowtown, uh, Warren Ellis. You know what I mean? Fell. <laughs> Fell, exactly. Fell. It, 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 it feels like that. It, not in a copy way, but just like it's just it's it's very refreshing. It's like having it's like having a, a perfect dessert. It's vignettes. It's just yeah. yeah, and and you don't have to know a lot of stuff. And the thing is, like, I don't like Moon Knight. I don't care about him. And it's funny. I've seen comments like maybe this means they'll make the Moon Knight movie or whatever. Like, I don't want any of that. I like reading these stories. The fact that it's a Moon Knight story is almost secondary. It's interesting. It works for it. It's not. It's not like it doesn't matter. But I. It's just in the midst of all of the other ongoing stories and things that are going on endlessly, forever, one thing leading to the next. This is great. Like you enter late and you leave early and it's over. And then in the middle of it, you just get to see a smorgasbord of craft. And and it's and Warren Ellis excels at these. He did that same format for Secret because Avengers. Because he doesn't have any attention span for it either. <laughs> he did it with Secret Avengers where he did those one and done stories a while back. And he's really good at telling you a complete tale in short form. And you're right. I mean, comics are excel in the long form. And a lot of we've seen a lot of comic writers aren't necessarily very good at telling one story in 20 pages because it's really hard. Very hard. And he's really good at it. Uh, and we've seen some other, the the story of the assassins, all those people being assassinated, where all the story, the pages countdown was pretty pretty amazing. But I thought this is a complete tale. Uh, mm-hmm. works really, really, really well. And granted, most of it is violence, but it also it tells a story through the violence. And then I thought the last sort of wrap-up was pretty great. I mean... It's t- it's totally simple. I mean, like it's it's literally it's a, you're right. It's a video game. You go into the building. You get to the end. End of story. You rescue princess. Or kill kill all the people in the beginning. You know, like it's not it's not super complicated, but it's in the way that it's you fight Morris Day. That's important. <laughs> and we we checked on this. That is not if you've read this. Uh, there's a there's a man with a very suave haircut uh, and some knives in a purple and blue suit. And it looked, and my first instinct was, "Hey, that's Morris Day." I was not the only one who thought that, but it turns out that he was not supposed to be Morris Day. I advised artist uh, Declan Shalvey to pretend as if it always was. It should be. Now, Paul, you're a big fan of this book. What did you think of this issue? I, when I saw that reveal, uh, you know, when he goes into the sort of the foyer of the building, and you're looking up, and they, they you know, in dialogue, they reveal that this is a six-story building. The girl is on what the fifth floor, and there's probably henchmen all throughout on various floors. But when you get that reveal, you know, looking up uh, at all these balconies overlooking the foyer, I was like, oh, it's it's Bruce Lee in the pagoda. You know, that's that's a lot of fun, and, and going up to get the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the top, and um, so that's that's a really fun story. And I mean, it's like Dread 3D or The Raid. Yeah, uh, it's just a great sort of subgenre of you know, uh, uh, 
floor climbing, uh, <laughs> fairway <laughs> violence grindhouse thing, and it has a great title too. Um, the, I, I believe this issue is called Scarlet, which directly refers to the girl, to the red-haired teenage girl. Um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of red coming out of people's uh, nostrils and. Uh, all kinds of wounds uh, as he's punching and kicking and stabbing his way to the top. This was and, and it gets here and grislier and you know all culminating in the roof and our favorite <laughs> uh, superhero uh, vehicle at this time uh, just dropping down on the last bad guy. I th- I thought this was really really strong. I was I had yeah. no problem with this as a pick of the week. And it was just so uh I guess it was just so refreshing and enjoyable in light of all of the other stuff that was going on. Thing everything else was trying to uh lift a thing along or start a new thing up or you know, and this was just it was just you just read it and there was nothing to it but to read it and to experience it. And that's really nice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um and then like I said, it just just Really wrapped in craft. I actually spent all this time because uh, they they the we've talked about the idea that uh, Moon Knight in this um, he's not colored. Right. Uh, that's not supposed to sound like a anti <laughs> anti segregation uh, statement. No, there's no color. There's no like value. Yeah. Yes, there's no value. It's all his suit is all lines. Um, but in this one, uh, he takes his jacket off, and so we see his and he rolls up his sleeve, and we see his forearms. And I thought. Oh, that's interesting. I went back and I looked a lot because it, it it's almost like a little bit of an optical illusion. I'm trying to find value in it, and I realize there isn't. It's just in the lines. And I just found that really interesting visually to look at. Um, you know, if, if none of this was colored and this was just the line art, you wouldn't notice that. Right. Um, so it's a choice back between... The, yeah, back in the first issue, he takes his mask off, and so you, you just see his regular face, and that is, of course, flesh tone and everything, and full value and when you see it like his wrists going mm-hmm. into his gloves so there is precedent for it but here the, just the forearms is a great look yeah it 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 just worked and i mean like there's really something to be said about i, I don't know if, if people know this it's not a secret i guess uh declan shalvey and and jordi belair are a uh, a cohabitating couple they live together they work together um i assume in in some sort of Dublin slave den where they just stand all day in front of Cintiq monitors and brushes. Um, but there really is something to be said about like people don't talk about creative team. People talk about artist writer creative teams all the time. And they're this like huge powerful punch of, of this uh, visual creative team, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that you normally associate with uh, uh, pencilers and inkers, I guess. Right. I guess Frank Quitely and uh, who is his colorist? I'm trying to remember. Well, you th- you think of McKelvey and Matthew Wilson. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good example. But it's just this really great uh, creative relationship that has come up between them. That that just like it it you can tell like they just know how to work for each other, um, and it's really refreshing. And we get to talk about Jordi Belair all the time because she colors so many great things. Um, but this is like watching this that collaboration go on, uh, you know, with the framework that Warren Ellis provides for them uh, has, has been one of the really fun parts about this book. And I know it's short-lived. I know that this is, I saw somebody be like, that's it, this book's going to the top of my stack. And I was like, yeah, one more one more issue, actually. <laughs> um, there's one more, but you know what? I will take six great issues yeah. over over 12 okay issues. Um, and I'm really glad for, that for it... This writer, for this writer, for, for Ellis and Shelby, Jordy staying on, yeah. colors, passes. And, but, that, and uh, but it's not Shelby's the same. also doing covers, but anyways. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm re- I was I was really glad I got to once once it occurred. I was like, oh, we get to give a pick to this week. That's awesome. That should that should be a thing. Um, so I'm I'm glad that that worked out. So Josh, do you still hate Satellite Sam? No, no. I wanted to add Satellite Sam to the list this week because I thought that I don't want to say it righted the ship, but I, I felt I felt reinvigorated by it. And I had actually left this off. Uh, this was the last book that I read. It was, and I totally left it upstairs. No, here it is. Um, this is the last book that I read because I just hadn't been looking forward to it. And uh, this, whatever it was, the mix of this book that I liked, this put it all together. Um, I thought if it was a really strong issue, it it grounded me again in what was happening. It did a little more of that, showing you what TV stuff is going on. When they did the the um, chroma key feedback loop thing, Test, yeah. uh, and you know they're talking about standards and a little bit of cultural history where the the writer uh, is about to be outed uh, badly, uh, and so he tries to use. It. I liked like the first like few pages of this were a powerhouse. I thought. Um, you know the whole thing was 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 good. It was a good issue. I am, I mean, I, I, this is the, I've liked Howard Jacob before. I don't have a problem with him, but his work on this just clicks for me in a million ways. It doesn't look like anything else. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I still love this book. Uh, I'm, I assume Paul still does too. The only complaint I have is that I think there are some production issues in mm-hmm. that often you can't tell whose balloons are whose. Did you notice the bit with the phone conversation though? Which scene are we talking about? Uh, at some point, Guy, the the TV writer, is on the phone, and the um the the voice on the phone is indicated by uh, there's like a little like sort of grayed out phone symbol behind the letters. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also one of the other problem is sometimes you can't tell who's who. Sometimes there's gray behind the letters, making it really hard to read. But um, that's a very minor complaint. To, mm-hmm. I still think this is an amazing book. I love that this is was one of the stronger issues with the flashbacks to the war and how two of the characters met and the fact that the tech guy is secretly black um, or secretly <laughs> half black. I was thinking, I got this. This does not work in any other book. There's no <laughs> color in this book. Yeah. He, like you, you get zipatone. That's what you get. Um, and he's he's in danger of being outed too. And I like the scene with him and the and the elevator uh, operator. That was great. Um, I think that this is full of such interesting characters, and that, and you know the driving force of this book is that it's a murder mystery. But it, I think it's very much like sex in that it's just a drama about these characters, and in the background there's this murder investigation. But really, there's as much about non-murder stuff going on in this book than there is about murder stuff going I on. I think also, I mean, and this is this really is sort of the most obvious thing in the world. But this is the same week that um, they released a, a Black Kiss special mm-hmm. of something, which is. Basically, Howard Jenkins' porno comic. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if that's how they phrase it, but it's, it's a lot of fucking with demons. I think. Um, I find this book way sexier than that. I, well, just, that just in terms disturbing, of, yeah. Yeah, I know, but like, I like, like, I, like, if you look at like the pinup pictures and the stuff, in, what, however it is that he's drawing like the lingerie and stuff like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, uh, this art doesn't look like anything else. Uh, and uh, what it's a, such a great showcase for it. Um, I mean, do, are you like are you like me? Did you think this was a particularly good issue, or was I just able to pay attention this time? I thought it was strong. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think I agree with you that with you guys that it's um, it's the stuff other than the murder mystery that's more compelling, and I think the balance was more towards that stuff. Um, yeah. I do like the fact that our main character is kind of playing detective to try to figure out. Uh, what happened to his dad, but then he's not the best detective. No, he's pretty like terrible he's just, at it. 
he's just a dude like trying to figure things out. He's kind of blundering through this investigation. Who's, who also happens to be famous now, which is a problem. Yeah. Right. I gotta well, say like, that there is no book uh, on the stands today that I make more use of going back to the menu in the beginning to see who the fuck is talking. Yeah. I just know I, now. I'm seeing what you're talking about now with the the phone symbols and the behind yeah. that. And also, what I was complaining about before was the um, one of the characters is dying of lung cancer and he's coughing up blood. So every time he talks, there's blood spatter behind his dialogue, which is a cool idea. But I don't know if it works in practice as as well. I like the experimentation of no, it. No, I, I definitely appreciate yeah. that. Now that I really look at it and see what it is, I, I have more of appreciation for it. I just found it hard to read some of it. Um, but more importantly the way they use the lines to indicate who's talking because I'm just getting lost in the background colors because it's all black, white, and gray. But anyway. It's very in- ambitious for a grayscale thing. Like, you know, if, if there were color involved, it, we probably wouldn't be remarking, you know, upon it that much. Right. So I thought, I thought it was a really, really strong issue. Satellite Salmon number nine. Uh, Action Comics 33. This was a very Superman-heavy week. We'll talk about another Superman book in a minute. But Action Comics 33 was the next chapter in the storyline in which Superman has been affected with Doomsday's virus and he's becoming Doomsday. And this is Super Doom, Super Chapter Doom. 1. I don't know if you realize, but there's actually a pretty good quality DC crossover going on, and I don't know that I've ever said those words. <laughs> in, 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 in Superman books. Well, it's happened a lot in the past, but... Uh, it's been a lot lo- of the distant past. We also don't really like the Superman chapter of it, but that's yeah. neither here well, nor there. No longer part of the storyline. Um I think this is great. I love the fact that there's these very distinct worlds within these books. You know, Action Comics is, is Superman and Lana, Lang, and Steel. And then Superman Unchained is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Lois Lane. And Superman is Superman and the Daily Planet crew. I think this is very got, got a little confusing this week, but that's not really the artist's fault. Yeah. I thought this was a great Aaron Cooter issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Looked really good. That was Paul. my takeaway as well. Like... Uh, you know, I, I don't. I didn't know that I'd ever say I, I have a new favorite Doomsday artist, <laughs> but I like the way that Aaron Cooter draws Doomsday, and you know, Superman's like where Doomsday form. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for what you know, for what it is, I'm not. A, I'm not. You know, wild about Doomsday, but you know, I prefer their you know other villains. But for what it is, they're having a lot of fun with it, and I think Pac, especially, his chapters are um, pretty inventive and. You know, I like I like the way he writes Superman's interior monologue, uh, and Lana's as well. I think that's the driving force of this book, uh, even before this this arc started. Right. I think this is this is good. I think if you're still continu- I don't know how long this is lasting, but it continues into Superman Wonder Woman, which is another great book. So uh, uh, I'm happy for the storyline to continue. Although at the very end of the page, the very end page is the splash page reveal of Sup- Superman Cyborg or Cyborg Superman. And I wasn't totally thrilled about that, just because it's just a reminder of all the problems that DC has continuity-wise. But um, I kind of figured it was coming. Like this is their opportunity to do the. Like, I wonder if we're going to see. Well, Superboy like, would be the only one left. Yeah, and like that version of. Oh, Superboy. and then the Eradicator. We got a whole party yeah. coming, I guess. Um, it could all fall apart. Sure, but if right now it's fun. I think. I think it's really. Yeah, cool. I, th- I thought also. I, I thought Aaron Cooter was very well represented in this. I thought yep. he, he did this very well, uh, and, and it worked. And the whole time, well, that looks nice. Well, that's, that's nice. You know, the nice sort of line art thing that's going on with this. Um, it should be ridiculous, but it is compelling. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one place where I rolled my eyes a little bit, I, I, I don't like the Red Lantern Supergirl idea. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, but again, for those concepts, um, he makes them work. You know, it's like even though I'm not in yeah. love with that idea, um, he takes it and runs with it. I assume it happened in her book or some other place. Red Lantern book, probably. Did I miss it somewhere? Probably in the Rage of the Red Lanterns book, right? Or her own. This this may be a chart. It's just she have her own. She can't have her own book and be a Red Lantern at the same time, can she? Why not? Because that sounds like market suicide. Just another Green Lantern book out there. So you guys don't know? Because that um, that was my question. I I just rolled with it. What's going on with this? No, No, and that's fine, too. The thing that I don't remember, like, aren't the Red Lanterns all angry all the time? And spewing blood yeah. on cats yeah, she's, and things. She seemed fairly, you know, she had a bit of a sneer on. Mm. Well, she's a teenager. She's more of a mopey angry. Right. right. You don't understand. <laughs> Go to Tashi Station. <laughs> All right, who read Tech Jacket? I did. I did. Um, do you guys know what Tech Jacket is? Were you around yeah. for this? So it was a jacket. It was an Tech early jacket. Robert Kirkman story, I believe. If it doesn't predate Invincible, it is around that time. And I f- and like he's shown up in the Guardians of the Globe. Is that it? Or Guarding the Globe? I, whatever. And I wouldn't have read this, uh, but our, 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 our pal Joe Keating uh, wrote on it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll give this a try. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting and it's, it's kind of fun. And it, and it was. It was, uh, and it was, oh, the, and the other, the other thing that got me was, uh, uh, Carrie Randolph was the artist. Um, and the last time I remember seeing him was uh, on that uh, that Boom series by um, bo- 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 was it Chris Robertson? Oh yes, what was the name Star- of that? Yeah, it was about the the kid who was on Earth who was really an alien. Yeah, princess. Mitch Garretts was coloring yeah, it. Was it. Yeah. yeah, and and his art works really really well for this. Um, and it sort of takes place in this Invincible universe. Really good looking art. He's got, you know, it was. It was like a, a good, big, sort of galactic superhero story uh, and a father and son story and uh, sort of kind of basic basic comic book stuff. You know, like, like and it felt like sort of like an 80s comic book that, or, you know, like late 80s, early 90s, but pretty good. Uh, you know, guy's in way out of his depth and he's super young, but he's got this big suit. It's Darkhawk, basically, now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> it's Darkhawk and Dad. Yeah, my, my reaction to it was it felt like a, like a 90s, uh, cartoon series, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like when the, when the bad guy shows up and is like watching him on the monitor. Just a, it, there's kind of a it's a it's a it's painted a bit broad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's this kid, and then to have this like multi-panel, multi-page scene where he's talking to his dad about filling out unemployment papers mm-hmm. because he gets paid to be a superhero, but his dad doesn't to be like his handler. If I had any complaints, the fact like in the beginning of the book, the dad looks older than he does now later. And I was confused by that. But most importantly, there was a page that was basically about donuts. <laughs> and I and I listen. I think that's why this is here. I can't help but think I may have somehow just, just you know, subconsciously had something to do with this donut page, and that's you're, you're not the only one who likes donuts in the whole world. I'm kind of, the, I'm kind of the donut guy. They're in kind comics. of universally loved. No, I'm kind the, of no, a dessert. Breakfast, donuts are my lunch thing. thing. I'm the donut guy. Let's just. Josh is the donuts darling of the comics internet. That's what I'm saying. If you, if if you're in if you're at the if you're at the the comic convention and you're like, who's the donut guy? If I was at that convention, which I'm probably not, you like, didn't oh, invent the love of donuts. I would think Joe Keating loves donuts. That's all. I'm uh, I've no, no. He likes a uh, beignet, some French version of that donut. Um, something was, uh, no, but I, I liked it. It was. I was like, oh, this is a donut. His dad basically says, you know, 
I know you've been trying to be healthy because your girlfriend's coming, but hot damn, buddy, sometimes you just need to eat a donut. And I was like, you do. You understand. You know. You know about these donuts. Christ, I want a donut tomorrow. Now, I want a donut right now. Paul, you're probably the biggest Marvel Cosmic fan so uh, of this group currently on the phone. Uh, yep. This was a good week for you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time to be a fan of Marvel Cosmic. You know, they've got there's a there's a Nova book out there. There's a Rocket Raccoon book, and uh, so this week it's it's Rocket Raccoon number one by Scotty Young uh, with art by Jean Francois Ballou, uh, and the color work is is gorgeous. And if you get the uh, the, the colors the by Jean Francois Ballou, is that what did I say? You said the art by. Oh, color art, yeah, and that's what I meant. Color art by. Uh, so they they're they're a great tag team, and there's some good wrestling in this with uh, a. <laughs> wrestling uh, a, a many tentacle beastie uh, on an alien planet and it's very uh it's very madcap it's very looney tunes and um and very very scotty young and uh, scotty young's a great artist to draw a book full of alien creatures i loved just looking at the different yeah. kind of faces and different constructions i mean this, I, i'm not a marvel cosmic person i'm not a guardians of the galaxy person i'm not a, certainly not a rocket raccoon person but i did really like looking at this book did you catch uh did you catch the Southern Bastard in the audience? I did not. I caught it on Jason Latour's Instagram feed, but he noticed it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. In the crowd of the wrestling match, uh, it's not it's not uh, Earl, but it's it's just a guy. It says South. With a jacket, and it says, like, and it says South Bast. Salt sort of cut off. Yeah. That's nice, because this is a pretty um, big book. Yeah, well, yeah, there and, is. And if you get, if you get the, uh, the digital deluxe version uh there's a bunch of like process stuff in the back and you can see that like scotty knows that uh that baloo is going to add some really great color work into it and that's a big part of the uh, the overall effect and you see how kind of spare uh his pencils are and but he knows that there's going to be color going in i mean basically what you're saying is that when he hands in the the penciled pages they're basically a series of rectangles and stick figures i mean that's what we're talking about here it's the secret. Yeah. Uh, but, but it is a very interesting look, and I, and I thought that was cool that they showed the pencils, the inks, and then the finished colors. I think, I think what I liked about this um, was, the, was the energy, the constant sense of motion. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of just sort of movement. You know, then there, there, was, there was stillness, like when they're sitting in the audience, but sort of when the action kicks off, everybody starts moving. Um, which reminds, which was the thing that I actually really liked about. For some reason, this reminds me of it. I think it's Rocket's outfit. Uh, is the Fear Agent? Mm-hmm. Like Fear Agent had that. It, this actually feels like like a, a a silly animal version of Fear Agent. Actually, you're really, a, you're really right about that. To a certain extent, he's got yeah. the little orange outfit on. He's surrounded by all these aliens. He's like, there's moving, there's blasting, there's. It feels like that. He's in over a, his head. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is a very uh, good and familiar feeling. Uh, there there needs to be more comics like this and it's un- I don't want to say it's unfortunate but it's interesting that it takes a person like Scotty who is you know he's sort of singular to be able to get a book like this well off the Scotty ground. plus the movie coming out in three weeks yeah doesn't hurt so but if he did this book on its own I mean still it, it'd be I, I don't know who could say but um you did a book yeah, like I, this I people think it's really fun and I think there's going to be a lot of people having seen the movie going to be going back for these issues and um, capture a lot of the fun of what it looks like that the character is going to be like just based on the trailers, what we've seen so far. Um, another thing based on the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, the Star Lord of the comics is getting closer and closer to being that Chris Pratt. Yes, you're, you're, you're kidding me. <laughs> and 
you know, he had that weird motocross, like, blue and yellow costume when the new Guardians of the Galaxy book launched was last year or the year before, and uh, I wasn't wild about that. Now he's just basically in the trench coat, and he's got, it's the same design. It's, it's the closest, uh, you know, version of uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe costumes, the comics transitions, as we've seen. Um, and it's not nearly as wonky as, you know, uh, trying to make Cap look like he looks in the movies. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, what is it, Legendary Star-Lord number one? Who's the team behind it? Uh, Sam Humphreys and Paco Medina. That's right. And uh, a lot of fun. And just like, you know, if, if you like that kind of Han Solo, Indiana Jones kind of vibe to Star-Lord, which is new. I mean, like the Abnett and Lanning Star-Lord was a little bit different. Uh, wasn't nearly as, as much of a rascal as this one is. All I uh, see is Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec. It's it's. Yeah. Literally all I see when I read the version of this character of him. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's what yeah. I see. Yeah, but the, the big takeaway for this is you get a surprise cameo from Kitty Pride. Uh, when Star Lord is in a jam, he calls Kitty Pride, and it's basically the, you know, the Princess Leia like blue hologram. Well, they had they had a bit of a flirtation in the all new X Men book crossover with Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Yeah. Right, so that was it was a question mark whether you know is she going to have any involvement, but uh, I thought that was a nice pleasant surprise this week that you popped up, and I kind of hope that it's a running gag that, like, every month he gets into a jam and calls Kitty, and she can't possibly be bothered. <laughs> I be- so, so Ellen Page is going to make a cameo in the movie, is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I don't see that happen. Uh, rights reasons, we can't do that. Yeah, that's true. Well, real quickly, we want to let you, let you know how you can help buy a fanboy by going to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can go if you're making your Amazon purchases. There's a little link there to the main page. And what that does is it, it gives us a little piece of all your purchases that you make, and it helps us keep the show going, keep the lights on, doesn't keep, take any money out of your pocket, only out of Amazon. So we appreciate that. Hey, why are the lights off? Because it was a hurricane. I don't know. What's going on with you? You tell me why the lights are off. Um, and then uh, more directly, you can go to ifanboy.com slash registration. That's where you can become an iFanboy member for $3 a month or $30 a year. That's how you can help the show directly. And we appreciate everyone who does that. You can also donate any amount you want there. And we've discussed how if you are a billionaire, we all will take any donation with as many zeros as you want. Uh, we will not turn it down. So thank everyone who does that. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who helps keep the show going. And uh, speaking of keeping on going, God, Thor God of Thunder 24 was the epilogue of the last days of Midgard. Last month we thought was the wrap-up to that story. But Jason Aaron has been wont to do these epilogue issues with his big storylines and this was a really great i, I like the augustin alessio alessio art a lot yeah i thought it was it was good i feel like it de- the story i don't know if it needed it but it was it was really good to have mm-hmm. i i th- it felt very final didn't it at the end it was like oh that's it that well, could be the end like if you were going to walk away from this now you could do that here the book sure it's actually yes. going to be a, a little bit of a hiatus i think because there's going to be a thor loki crossover yeah yeah so it's going to be a little while before we get back into you know this particular thread we have the original the original sin miniseries for the next couple of months or whatever Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. but uh, i liked this a lot i liked um the you had sort of opposite stories here you had thor coming to terms with what happened with Roxon and the Asgardians abandoning Midgard once again, but not, well, before, not before Thor leaves his house there for They abandoned the last vestiges of J. Michael Straczynski's storyline, and good riddance. 
Um, he and finally, Thor, finally got rid of it. The town is destroyed, but Thor leaves his personal castle there so they can all live together like a giant re- reality show. What could go wrong there? Um, and <laughs> but then in the future, Old King Thor has been reconstituting the planet with his granddaughters, and they've been making uh, rivers and naming them, naming them after Thor's friends and loved ones. And then we cut to Galactus on Mars, ready to consume Mars, which I don't know why he didn't do before. No one's going to defend Mars. Why didn't? When they named the the is there a Roz character or is the that girl, Jack Kirby's the wife? girlfriend? Oh, she's Roz. Yeah. Oh, that's also Jack Kirby's Agent wife. Of I just put that together. Yeah. The she's one. just another lady in the shield outfit. I don't. They're you know. She's the main second main character in the book. I just don't uh, know the name. I don't know. That might be what she's named after. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's what I'm saying. I just put that together. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he, Galactus gets attacked by something, which I, I sort of. So it was born the butcher, the butcher of worlds. So I don't know what's happening there. I assume we'll get more of that. But I thought this was this was great. If you call you recall the last wrap up issue, we dealt with um, Jane having cancer and Thor going all around the world and righting wrongs after he had dealt with the god butcher. And uh, do, you th- do you think he got attacked? I thought that he was turning into some like he was combining himself with with the god butcher, and now he's like super butcher. Well, he's attacked by this black yeah. gunk. I don't mean like he's like it. overwhelmed by it. He beca- it's a, he's a bla- he's a Black Lantern Galactus, basically. Yeah, it's well, it's what um, Gore when he was just a regular alien, he found those two like fallen gods and uh, the the Necro Sword, and that's what uh, Old King Thor used to to uh, stop Galactus in the previous issue. So it's you know taking you know it's opening up Pandora's box and probably gonna have huge ramifications in the future. Yeah, good good issue. I um Captain America twenty two. I was sort of losing a bit of interest because I wasn't really digging the Nick Klein art on the book, and mm-hmm. um most most of for that reason. But this issue, issue Carlos Pacheco came back on and, and it instantly rejuvenated my my love of the book. I think the thing that was interesting for me in this well, was a couple of things. Now that I'm looking at it, I was like, oh, I forgot Cap's old. Yeah. And he's gonna be for a little while. I mean, Remender's had this real good habit of like picking something up and sticking with it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even if it's just for an arc or so, it's it's better than that arc of Oz where they were old. So um, that was very specific. Um, there was a there was a scene here with with Jet Black and Sam Wilson that I sort of sort of came out of the blue. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I really liked the stuff in the old Avengers mansion with yes. sort of the the basic uh, Avengers and and you know. All the threats have built up. You know, the stories that you thought were over have come back, and uh, it's just sort of classic comic book. Yeah, I thought the, the dynamics between Iron Man, Thor, and Bruce Banner before his Hulk was great in the mansion, and, and Tony yeah. not wanting at all to revel in the nostalgia of the place, and Thor Rick being writes, all about it. Rick writes a really good uh, uh, Tony Stark that is very Downey-based, but still, mm-hmm. like he, he writes, I was like, that's a, that's a very spot-on sort of dialogue mm-hmm. uh, and character uh, sort of rendition from him. That was really good. And I like that Arnim Zola is not taken seriously at all until he re- they realize he's got a giant army of mutant people with him. But uh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm psyched about Cap again, which is nice. How does the Red Skull drink without lips? Anyway, Listen, moving on. <laughs> Superman Unchained number seven. I, I don't know when the last time this issue came out or an issue of this series, but I really... Did quite like this a lot, and I like it mostly because I think that Scott Snyder has a nice handle on the character voices, especially. And it's not really fair; he, he writes Batman regularly, but 
I thought his Batman in this, in this issue was really great. I like that he's got a bit of an edge and a bit of a personality to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he doesn't just speak like a justice robot. You know, he, he, he has a bit of a dialect to him, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a thing that, that people do particularly well. It, like, it comes out when he's with Superman, mm-hmm. which I, I think is, is a th- you know, it's, it's, it's savvy to sort of realize that. But, like, he's, Superman's the guy who he has a rapport with. He's the guy he doesn't need to have a front with. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I didn't like a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, you remember when you were a little kid and you wanted to get a Batman or a Superman action figure, and that was always really hard to find mm-hmm. because they never had just a normal one. Right. It was always like Arctic Attack or the like Super Electric, you know, version or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this <laughs> felt a little like that. I was like, I keep looking at these. Like, why was you know Batman's in the other costume and Superman had that a weird costume? And I was like, this just reminds me of action figures I didn't want. We'll get you a Superman. Well, not really. <laughs> it's, it's not the one. It's yeah. battle damage, He-Man. Uh, I, I get what you mean. I, I, like, uh, I like how uh, just completely insane uh, uh, Snyder's uh, General Lane is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, just attacking the Fortress of Solitude, and his, his, uh, his dialogue is just uh, he's really scenery-chewing. Yeah, it's great. I think the character work in the story it's is pretty completely like over the top bonkers issue, and I, and I kind of like the uh, sort of excess of it. Mm-hmm. So now Miles Morales, the Ultimate Spider-Man number three. What I liked about this issue was that Miles is kind of a dumbass because he's a teenager, and almost all teenagers are dumbasses. So mm-hmm. he he tell he decides he's going to tell his girlfriend that he's Spider-Man because he doesn't want to lie to her, and uh, she has a very sensible reaction. She turns on her heels and runs. Uh, not even a word I really liked that I thought that was yeah. a very real moment on multiple levels uh, this, this Green Goblin is very powerful well we don't know what did he you, is did you spot uh, Marquez and Bendis here yes Marquez and Bendis as the two cops I spotted, I spotted Marquez first and I was like oh wait oh no that's, that's Bendis next to him that's fun I just think uh, I loved just the realness of it. Like he's dumb. He thinks he thinks it's a good idea to tell his girlfriend that he's Spider Man. And not well, he's he's him. idealistic, which is right. sweet. Well, that's how yeah. teenagers are. They're dumb. Um, no, but sometimes they're not. They're not like the like. I don't tend to think of teenagers as super idealistic. So I like that he's really he, he's really trying hard to do the right thing, but he has no life experience and he doesn't know how. Um, there's also another little hint here about the future in that the uh, in the in the police station there's a guy in a dressed as Captain Marvel and is ranting that the worlds are all going to converge and there'll only be one universe, which has been the rumor for quite a while that that's happening relatively soon with the Marvel books. But uh, we'll see if that's actually just a nod to the hysteria or a clever little I thought that was... I, I didn't realize that that was like a person that uh, was a man in a suit. I just thought, oh, they made that character different in this world. No, that's a man in a suit. It's a man with a wig on. It's a lot of characters to... Uh, yeah. And he has, a, he has a bulge, so there's that. We'll see if that's actually what happens. Uh, but uh, good issue. Good They're issue. all they've all been very good. I'm very surprised good there's only three. I feel like there've been more of these, but well, they, just they keep renaming the title. The title yeah, they, it does feel like yeah. so. Those are the books that came out this week. You can go to fanboy.com/slash nothing, <laughs> and you can talk about this book as well as the other books of the week. And uh, you can you can go to the post for this podcast and do yeah, that. Yeah, you can find the show post there, and you can talk about these books, other books, other anything else at ifanboy.com. Now let's do some uh, listener stuff, some listener questions. Uh, uh, couple of Brian, those. I got a little little beer burp going on there. Excuse me, Brian wrote. I, I'm not used to this stuff. Uh, what, <laughs> what are you? Are you really drinking beer? Yeah, I totally am. What beer? I'm, Guinness. 
What the fuck, man? Go on, go ahead, continue. I don't, uh, I'm and so the, the last, the last bit of Guinness, though, like sort of that last chunk after you get through the curve of uh, the glass, yeah, it's yeah. awful. Oh, not good, not good. But you right. hope to be drunk enough by that point to not not notice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brian says, I've heard you guys mention that you don't keep a lot of your floppies around and mainly stick with TPP and hardcovers. Uh, but even that can get out of hand. How do you guys know what to keep? Obviously, you're going to hold on to stuff you plan reading again, but what do you do at, what do you do, what do you decide to keep? Do you guys ditch the bad arcs that are in the middle, middle of great runs, like Daredevil Shadowland? Uh, or does any T, a OCD take over? And we haven't talked about this in a while, I realized. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, uh, I we should, update. We should reiterate, so if there could be a new listener, every show could be sure. friends first, uh, that none of us keep, keep our single issues, right? Paul, you don't keep yours, do you? Nope. Yeah, so we all don't keep our single issues. We get rid of them. Um, but I do keep trades, and I have a fairly three-bookcase-worth trade wall. Which You're never going to get rid of books in any form ever. That's sort of your... I like... Well, my goal one day is to have a giant library room of not mm -hmm. just comics, but you know books. So... I don't, I don't keep all the trades I get. I get a lot sent to me, too, from, from publishers. I don't keep all those. Uh, I keep the ones. I keep all the trades of series that I like. Mm -hmm. Lately, there's a lot of image trades on my shelf because there's a lot of great image books out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I keep stuff I want to read again and also books I like. If I don't like a book, well, I don't keep the trade. Most of us read yeah. issues digitally at this point, mm -hmm. and we all right. do. Most issues, I guess, is what I meant to say. True. So there aren't issues around, and I now have stacks of issues that I just don't know what to do with. Like part of me is like, well, I could arrange them into arcs and sell them, or I could just—I give a lot of them to charity. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the thing is, you know, most of the issues I have are are image, and they're mostly not good for kids. Well, they're not kids' right. charities. I give them to a charity, yeah. and they they do whatever they want. They sell them, and they use yeah. the money for their charity. Serve charity. Hmm. Um, but I also. I, so for the stuff I read digitally, and if I really like the run, then I will then go buy the trade to have on my bookshelf and read again. Are you a rereader of trades ever, though? Yeah, not as much as I used to, but I certainly do. Because I, you know, like it's the oldest man thing in the world, right? But you know, like since I have kids, like I don't, I don't buy a lot of trades ever because I just don't have time to fit them in. I've been reading the same two books for like two and a half years, so like like prose books, so like it doesn't. I've been reading everything I read is pretty much what comes out weekly for the most part. Every once in a while, like I went back, I read Preacher a couple of months ago, and then I read all of Hellblazers, uh, all of Ennis's Hellblazer for a while. But like, other than that, like I don't. I think the only book that I've bought was the last Parker uh, mm -hmm. book. Like that's the only comic book that I bought in a really long time. I'm um, sort of. Um I've sort of cut back on just buying like straight up trades. I like I'm still buying a lot of stuff, but it's mostly like um, like OGNs, mm -hmm. stuff that I didn't have an opportunity to buy in single issues in the first place. And then or like uh, like I just got the uh, the latest uh, Mark Wade Daredevil, like the big hardcovers. Um, just so like what I so what I'm trying to keep is like the more deluxe stuff. So it's like a nicer book. So I'm. More, like kind of trying to to get rid of a lot of my flimsy, you know, four or five issue paperback collections, mm -hmm. uh, especially if I can, you know, get them in in a, in a nicer format, like uh, you know, like the Why the Last Man Deluxe Edition. I find those the smaller ones are good for lending out, though. I've been lending out a lot of them to people. That's true. Um, and it's just it's easier and nicer just to give them the the, the paperback trade than it is, you know, here's your giant hardcover. 
I'm always looking for opportunities to, to give them away to friends and they either, you know, already have them or... I have no friends like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just gave Mike Romo a stack of about 18 trades to read uh, that he had been falling back on, so I, I give them out a lot too. Yeah. Um, I would. I just, uh, there's not, there's no one. Let's do a voicemail. Okay. Yeah, Shanbury, this is Rick from Minot, North Dakota. I've only been with comics since about the time the New 52 happened. Uh, but uh, I recently subscribed to the Marvel Unlimited app, and I'm just curious uh, to catch me up on everything Marvel there. Could you guys recommend your top three or top five favorite Marvel stories? What do I have to read uh, to know the ins and outs of Marvel? Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Paul or Josh, either one of you, I thought maybe Paul had checked out. Have either of you checked out Marvel Unlimited? No. Check out what? Marvel Unlimited. Uh, not a lot. No. I was just curious how 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 wide and deep it goes in terms of what's available. It, it, it is my understanding uh, that that it's been greatly improved in the time from when it was announced, and now if you wait around three or six months or something like that, it stays pretty current. Yeah, no, I was more curious how far back it went. I, I realize it goes. It knew it well, added. I just not curious how much it is in the past. A friend of mine just read like the first. 12 years of Ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. in like four days. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I, was just, I was just like putting that in perspective. I was like that they worked on that for like 12 years of their life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just a couple days. So you can you can go down a rabbit hole there. All right. Well, let's just assume that everything's there. And, and if yeah, it's not I, there, I think that's apologize. the best way. Uh, yes. so I would I would just start off with that. I, w- I would say Ultimate Spider-Man. The- I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good answer. And I would also pair the Ultimates with that. Yeah, so I was. You've got twelve years worth of comics there. Read the. You can read that. That story is a through line from, from way back issue one in the year two thousand up to this very week. You, you've got Spider-Man stories that goes. That's fourteen years. So yeah, um, it's a lot. If you like the really long ones like that, if you really dig that, then I think. Uh, Bendis's Daredevil is probably a really good way to go, mm-hmm. um, and then I, you know, the first story that came to mind for me when you asked this was was uh, Brew Baker and Epting's Captain America, I and mean, that's probably hands down my favorite Marvel story of the last decade or so. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I would and, you know. s- I would say going back a little bit into the not the modern era so much, but the the, the last era, I would say Infinity Gauntlet is one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, event books and yeah. it, it, there's you know there's thematic things that are going to be showing up in the movies and uh, it's just a really great Marvel universe spanning story that you can read without really knowing anything about anything <laughs> he did actually ask he said uh, you know what do I need to be caught up now which is no offense it's just not necessary like it's yeah. just it, it isn't so don't I wouldn't worry about like that like I want to know what's going on and be up to speed you just can. read the really good stories because yeah. it's always changing uh, what it is, and so it doesn't matter. And the way that Marvel structures now, like every time they restart, you should be able to start there, and you're fine. Right. Um, I, th- I think Paul, you'd you'd probably say the Thor, uh, you know, God of Thunder. Yeah, Thor, God, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I'm sure you can go back and start from the beginning on Thor, God of Thunder at this point. Uh, one of the best Thor runs ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor, Mighty Avenger, too. I mean, that's that's you know an out of continuity thing, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, the Astonishing X Men, mm-hmm. uh, the Joss Whedon, John Cassidy arc. That's probably that's probably it's it, not probably. It is a very good place to start if you want to read X Men. 
Uh, um, Clone Wars? No, uh, no, nope, nope, don't no? listen to what don't listen to what that man just said. <laughs> um, um, I would yeah, read Parker if you like. Well, I, that's a little that's a little uh, little in deep, but it is very good. Um, I would say find old old man Logan uh, by Mark Miller and uh, Steve McNiven. That's Kurt, uh, one of my Kurt favorites. Kurt Busiek and George Perez's Avengers, which was very the, nice. The uh, book that sort of brought the Avengers back to prominence and to mm-hmm. started the road they're on now to becoming the, you know the most popular books at Marvel because uh, at the time they weren't the X Men books were. Um, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and you sort of just sort of poke around and see what you like and the characters you're interested in. I'm gonna make one more suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee on an Inhumans 12 issue maxi series uh, from the late 90s. You haven't had a uh, chance to mention that in a long time. I haven't. But uh, it's a very nice introduction to characters that are very important right now, and and we're, we we sort of stayed in the modern era. I just I just assume most people will like that. I mean, of course, if 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 available, I don't know if it is. There's always all the original Kirby Lee Ditko books, uh, Joe Simon. I mean, those are all if they are there, they're worth checking out. I like them. Not everyone likes reading yeah. the sixty stuff. But uh, or the stuff from the seventies. There's you know Nick, Agent Shield and Doctor Strange. There's all kinds of and again, I don't know what's available, what's not. So that's why I'm trying to stay. There's no, there's no shortage of really good things. I try to get. I guess I try to give you stuff that'll be a little easier for the modern reader to sort of get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get through some of that, and you want to go back and see what came before, see the antecedents, see the the you know the history of where it all came from. You know, you know, Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, are kind of where you have to go. Yeah. I think to start, but that's uh, you know, that's that's no small thing. So there's a lot of stuff there for you, Rick, and. Uh, People who I, I people I see talking about online who are subscribers love the app. Yeah, yeah. It so seems like a good good deal. If we if we ever stopped, I'd probably check it out and maybe mm-hmm. read my book six months late and just sort of have not have a place to access everything. It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, it's almost overwhelming. It's like that Netflix thing. We're like, what are we gonna if you don't don't make yeah. that list? What are you gonna do? Where do you start? Even then, I'm like, I look at the 200 things on my streaming list and I go, you know I'm what? I'm just gonna go to bed. I'm constantly pruning. My favorite thing on earth is to watch a thing and then when it's over, hit remove. <laughs> I love that. That's checking things off your list. That's great. Let's get another email in. This is from Kay. And Kay says, I'm a girl and I listen to your show because it's one of the very few mostly non-sexist comics podcasts out there. And when you guys do slip up, you're pretty good about calling yourselves out on it. I'm curious what you think about Rick Remender's decision to suddenly age up Jet Black Zola so she can lose her virginity to a drunk Sam Wilson. Frankly, I find this so disgusting and offensive that I can barely put it in words. Uh, Remender has played up Jet's underage sexiness in a really creepy way the whole series, and then poof, she's just magically old enough to legally have sex, so it's okay. Or so it's okay with a question mark. Um, this is, of course, referring to this week's ep- issue of uh, Captain America. Now, normally, I don't think we would touch this with a 90-foot pole. There's almost but, no, way to, no way to win here. But I'm drinking. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, if Rose is not me, and I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I basically this is like a little. I want to see if I can. I can navigate this unwinnable field, and I. I know I can't. I'm just saying but, it's not me who's the one drinking and okay. possibly getting in trouble. I'm just happy I'm not that one. To this. My time. first instinct was that I don't remember anything in the story about her being a kid. I know that the kid, the boy, was a kid, and she was an older older sister. Mm-hmm. The kid was 11 or so. You know, I don't know how old this. I don't know what the age of consent laws are in in Zola's. I, but I will, I will, I will agree. And I don't know, Paul, how you feel, but I've never read her as un, as an underage person. I've read her as someone in her twenties, the whole time. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, just generally young adult. You know. Yeah. 
So, taking that out of the question, uh, I don't believe there is anything statutory about it. Um, that scene in particular, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't see any of that. I see. Uh, I don't see any coercion. I don't see. I see. Uh, she was the aggressor. I see two characters who who made decisions. If anything, uh, Sam was drugged. Yeah. And he will, you know. She right. was forcing the alcohol on him, actually. Which, uh, which is, uh, which is in some, it's, it's assault in some states, by the way. Um, I remember that because I was a college RA. Um, <laughs> that's illegal. But I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I did not read it that way at all. I, I mean, she's young, but I didn't think she was a kid. Uh, also, either. she is a warlord, so she can hold her own and stuff. And, well, I, I, just uh, think, I think the main thing is, I, I didn't. And now look, I don't know. I may have missed to somewhere which her age was mm-hmm. mentioned, but I don't. I never saw her as, even from the beginning when Romita was drawing her as someone who was under the age of eighteen. I always saw her as someone in her twenties. Yeah. Um, now, if she's not, then that's obviously a problem. But I don't see knowing Rick R- Remender like I do, and knowing they just know what they would casually put in. This isn't the eighties anymore, and. <laughs> and uh, Deathstroke and Terra, they wouldn't. I, I, I see no one casually inserting a underage sex encounter into a comic in these this day and age, especially especially not with one a, owned by a, Disney um, and a character who is just prominently featured in it. Yeah, in a there's no there's film. no way that would happen. So I think it's possible that your read on the character prior to that was uh, mistaken. And maybe it was just like a given panel from the way you know Romita drew her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like, you, like you get yeah. a first impression of a character, and you think, "Oh, she's, she's this." But I never got the, I never got the feeling she was. Yeah, she was. I think mean, she, like she looks, you know, like, like you know, like a little bit more like life and taller, you know, you know, with the new artist. But um, that is not, by the way, uh, a sensible outfit. The strap outfit she no. wears. There's a there's a panel early on where she's like just hanging out in that. Um. I, and I don't I think, think that we all agree on that the you know the costume is a bit ridiculous. yeah the costume is totally ridiculous completely. She needed they, what they needed to do was when she came out of Dimension Z into the, the real world, she should have gotten different clothing. But um, also, Sam Wilson's apartment is is ridiculous. Uh, is it's kind of shield salary, but uh, all, you know it's it's complicated. I don't. The question is: Is she underage or not? If she, clearly, if she's underage, it's a problem. If she's not underage, then it's less of a problem. I don't see it as a problem if she's not underage. But, seems very uh, consensual. Everyone seems happy. But uh, Sam you know, was drunk. Nothing, nothing really we can we can do unless we find out for sure. And I can't imagine for in a million years that they would do that, have that scene. Yeah, play and I, out. Think, I think all we can do is be honest in that it it didn't occur to any of us. And then, sort of looking back on it, I mean, I, I don't I, I don't see it. But yeah. you know, that doesn't mean that there there weren't cues somewhere that. If, hey, look! I, if we missed him, I'm willing. I'm willing completely to admit that I'm wrong here. If we missed yeah. some sort of reference to her being 16 or something like that, but I don't. I don't think that happened. Or some reference to her being aged up. I don't. I don't. She didn't get aged up when Steve did, did she? I don't remember that. Is happened. she human? I assume. Zola was a human, Z- but Zola he's a robot. Human. She wasn't aged up, was she? She might have been grown in a tube. And therefore, maybe she was aged. Uh, no, what I mean is, when Steve was aged to an old man, that wasn't she wasn't there and didn't get some no. sort of bride product aging. Did no, she? I feel like she's the same as she has been since they got there. But I feel like they've also been back for a while. Not that so, long. Uh, Either way, I think we can all agree that she needs a new costume. Oh sure, so. sure. That one where they're sitting on his couch and it, like, like her, she's got the side under boob going on. It's just all weird. four of us, three of us in cave, probably all agree, be on the same page for that one. 
Thank you, Kay, for writing this in. We, we appreciate your, your take on this. Is, and thank you, Brian. And thank you, Rick, for the voicemail. Uh, Kay and Brian, email us to contact at ifanboy.com, which now is working again. So uh, you, can, you can email us. It will, we will get that email, and everything is all hunky-dory. Well, as soon as we wade through all 10,000 emails we transferred over from our old system, which is going to be lots of fun. Don't uh, hold your breath. So we, we may not get back to you. We used to answer every email. I don't know if that's going to be possible anymore. We have to figure out which ones have been answered, which ones haven't. Our whole system is busted. So we may just call it email. forward, like bank, new emails. Email bankruptcy. But continue to email us at contactatifanboy.com. The point is that we may not get to your old ones. Now it's a merit system. Yes. Yeah, so now, now your email has to be very good. You can also leave us a voicemail at 888 fanboys we got a bunch of good ones this week on those. Thanks for everybody who called us in. Thank you, uh, Rick, for doing that and getting on the show. And uh, keep it 30 seconds. Tell us where you're from and who you are. And that's how you get on the show and into the fun and the madness. And apparently get your answer from a drunk Josh Flanagan. I don't know what's going on anymore. This is I'm not so drunk. My hands are a little warm. <laughs> How's your face? It's sweaty, but it's fucking oh, humid. So that's Paul, really what is happening? Fault. What? What is happening? Are you drinking? I have, I have, I have some uh, water. At least that's normal. All right. It's very humid. I mean, technically, we're all drinking all the time. Head over I don't think you understand how humid it is over here. I know that you I don't have humidity anymore. It's not that long ago that I lived there, you know. I remember I remember t- actually told someone today how... Oh, I'm at the gross part of the beer. Ugh. How oh. in August you couldn't even go outside because it was, it was awful. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com. Comment on this show. Uh, answer uh, anything we've talked about here on the podcast, talk about books for the week, we, could, we didn't get to talk to, talk about books we didn't get to talk to. That's all happening on ifanboy.com. And on I drunky. have to scroll down. I was ready. <laughs> Let's see if you could remember what it is. The second I was point like, is in the end. Whenever I hear silence on the show, I go, oh, I fucked up again. Follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash iFanboy. Um, and if you're following those uh, and you happen to be looking at the right time, uh, you'll be able to see what the pick of the week is before we do the show. Uh, as soon as whoever it is can manage to read through all the books, we'll let you know um, to preview it so that you can be prepared to listen to the show uh, at your convenience when it comes out on Sunday. You can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Fuzzy Typewriter. Um, and now it's time for Paul. Yeah, and if, uh, if you dig this kind of thing, you can write us a review in iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, don't base it on the audio quality of this particular episode. So uh, give us another episode or two or go back and listen to a previous no. episode. This is your first, and you can judge it on that. What I, no, what I see here is Excuses. three scrappy guys. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're in the Champions League is what we are. Is We're three guys, and we said, we said, God, this could go badly. We could bring in somebody else. We could, we could delay. We, no. It's not what we did. We played the game with the tools we were given. It's true. Made it work. We get you don't out see there. other podcasts doing that. They we, say, oh, you know, there was no show this week. No, it was a power outage. We worked around it. We were out there every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how analog this joke is. <laughs> that, I mean, how often, how many times left in life do we have to hear the fake dial tone bunch, bunch, bunch? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, can you do this on a rotary phone next time? <laughs> I assume you have one. <laughs> I assume you keep a rotary phone and a phonograph and uh, a oh. monocle in your house at all times. You can do that part from the Guns N' Roses song, too. All right. Uh, we are a fanboy, and we are now going to leave for the week. We'll be back. Till then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm really sorry about Nelson last week. 
You're not really, though. I'm not. I am. It was in my head for half the it's, week. It was it's awful. still in my head. Oh, God. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>